The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Wednesday edition of PFTPM, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers celebrating in very unique style due to the pandemic, their championship that was secured three days ago. The flip of the Lombardi Trophy by Tom Brady from one boat to another. I've got no skin in that game. It freaked me out. And I could only imagine the rescue operation, Shireen, that would have followed (laughs) if that trophy it ended up at the bottom of the hillsborough river i assume they bring in the frogmen from the police department immediately much like the rescue operation when flick's tongue was stuck to the flagpole although then it was the fire department i don't think the fire department have frogmen apparatus you'd have to get the police department to go find the trophy and tom brady would gladly pay the bill but that that makes me nervous every time i see it and I think they trusted Tom Brady. I guess they trusted Tom Brady. I'm sure they didn't know what he was going to do with that Lombardi trophy. But, yeah, Mike, that was pretty dangerous right there. That thing could have gone in. Maybe it was just a replica. Maybe it wasn't the real thing, right? Who knows? But it did. All those videos, man, it makes me want to move back to Tampa. Seeing those guys in shorts, I'm, I'm ready to go right now. It's freezing outside. No, no. We've already established you can't go back because that's the moment that the magic ends. You bring that with you. <laughs> It happened when you were covering the Buccaneers, and then you took it to Dallas with you. And they, 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 they love you, but Loser they're bill. fine with you staying in Dallas. Uh, so, look, I, I, everything about it was, was fun to see. And, yeah, Tom Brady celebrated the way that most normal human beings celebrate a major achievement. <laughs> it was odd to see him behave like a normal human being. Because this is the guy that we have come to regard as robotic. To see him stumbling and one of his friends, handlers, whoever that is, keeping it from being an obvious drunken episode, it kind of reminded me of Weekend at Bernie's, the way that they were doing the walk there. But somebody spiked the avocado ice cream. I mean, what can I say? Tom's living it up. It was Ryan Griffin, Mike, that carried him out. So they finally found a use for the third-string quarterback. (laughs) He he, he did play the part of Patrick Mahomes last week, right? So I guess he has two uses. Play the part of Patrick Mahomes and and carry Tom Brady out after the celebration. Maybe Griffin would have been the guy they told to go get the Lombardi Trophy from the floor of the Hillsborough River if it had missed the boat. But, uh, look, you got to let them have their fun. And then Bruce Arians taking shots at the Chiefs when addressing the team afterward and Jason Light saying we're going to bleeping win this thing again. That confidence that infects every professional athlete and coach quickly becomes hubris right after you've won a championship because you've just done it. So can we do it again? Well, hell yeah, we just did it. Why can't we do it again? And 
Now that's going to be the talk of the offseason. Can the Buccaneers do it again? Will they lure enough new players to town to help them get better? Will they keep enough of their own free agents? Arian said today they're going to keep Chris Godwin and Levante David. That may be hard to do if the cap goes down. But, hey, they're living it up. They're loving the moment. They've earned it. They're entitled to it. But there's a reason there hasn't been a repeat champion since 2003-2004. Yeah, and I do think, Mike, that free agents watching that today are saying, hey, why not Tampa Bay? Why don't I go there for a one-year deal and try to win one with Tom? If that's you're near the end of the career, why wouldn't you want to go to Tampa? I mean, all the reasons we've mentioned, no state income tax, it's nice weather in Florida, you get to play with Tom Brady, you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I mean, all the things you want. So I'm sure there's free agents out there right now watching this going, yeah, it looks like a pretty good place to go to me. Adrian Peterson, who has been bouncing around the NFL in recent years, he was with the Vikings all those years, then the Saints, then the Cardinals, then Washington, last year Detroit. He's already said he wants to join Tom Brady in Tampa. They're going to be turning guys away. There's going to be veteran players who very much would like to get on board the Buccaneers boat and win a Super Bowl, and they're going to have to say to some of these guys, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And that is a great problem to have where there's only 53 roster spots. But what you get out of this, if you have these great players who want to cap their careers with a championship, they willingly take on backup roles. This is a way to fill out. You know, the Patriots always had through the salary cap that they saved on contracts like Tom Brady's, a very robust middle class of veteran players who would serve as depth. For example, if your left tackle and your right tackle are injured like they were for the Chiefs, the drop-off from first string to second string isn't as great as it was for the Chiefs. The Patriots were able to do that. The Buccaneers may be able to pull that off this year, Shireen, if you get these veteran players who are willing to take less to be part of the magic that they've captured in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and they did it with Leonard Fournette. They got him in the middle of the year, and Ronald Jones, with their starting running back, ended up getting hurt, played very little in the postseason, and Leonard Fournette was their running back who carried him in the postseason. So you do need that depth, no question about it, and that's what you get when you're a guy like Tom Brady and and players flock to you. Bucks right now, as you said yesterday, Mike, have 31 players under contract, they've got a lot of uh, work to do this offseason to get that roster filled out. They do have a little bit of cap room. We know it's going to go down. But guys are probably going to take less to go to Tampa to play with Tom Brady. Today's celebration created some memorable moments. Top of your head, what is the first thing that stands out when you think about historic parades from past years? came to mind very quickly was that Jason Kelsey speech from from a few years ago and it was profanity laced and he worried about about what management thought of it but it fit Philadelphia perfectly and I went back in our system and look we wrote like three or four or five stories just on Jason Kelsey's speech and the impact it left in Philadelphia that to me was the most meaningful speech I think I've ever heard at one of these parades normally it's stuff like we saw today but Jason Kelsey's was really good yeah, in the Mummers outfit, uh, which he looked like he was the guy who was deciding whether or not people got past the gates of Oz. And uh, it, it was quite a costume that has yet to be duplicated and and was unprecedented when he did it. I, You know, there are little things that flash for me. Anytime someone tries to sing, you try to both remember and forget that. I remember Art Modell dancing 
at the Super Bowl yeah. 35 celebration, and that was a sight to see. But it, it's always alcohol-fueled. It's always a little over the top. It's always aspirational. They're always ready to come back for more. No champion ever says, that's it for us. See you later. It was fun. We're going back to 7-9 and nine next year. But, look, the reality is the chances are uh, much greater that the Buccaneers won't be back in the Super Bowl than that they will. But with Tom Brady, that changes everything because he's been so many, in so many of them and has now won seven of them. If we were ranking from 1 to 32, Shireen, the teams that are most likely to get to the Super Bowl in 2021, my guess is the team that would come in at 32 would be the Houston Texans. And they've made news again, not for an arrival, but for yet another departure. Team president Jamie Roots, he's been the president since the inception of the team, joined the NFL in 2002, the only president in Houston Texans history. He resigned today. This is something that was coming when the search committee, which he was involved in, was ignored in the quest for a new GM and owner Cal McNair and executive VP of football operations Jack Easterby went off the board to hire Nick Casario. My understanding is Roots wanted out then and there, and he was persuaded to stick around because there is some degree of self-awareness, believe it or not, in the Texans organization regarding the perception of dysfunction that has been lingering over the franchise for the past several months. They didn't want to make it worse by having Roots storm out, justifiably so, right after they disregarded the project he had spent so much time working on and hired a guy that wasn't one of his finalists. So they got him to wait a little while. It wasn't quite a month, and now Roots is gone. I think this organization, Mike, owes a lot to Jamie Roots and where they've come. Frankly, from a financial standpoint, he's helped build up this organization. Bob McNair, the late Bob McNair, hired him. Uh, Lamar Hunt actually was the guy who gave him a recommendation, hired him from a soccer team. He came in and he built this organization to one of the most profitable in sports history. And they're right up there in the top 10 on the Forbes rankings every single year. And Jamie Roots is a big part of that. And, you know, it's just another turnover in this organization that's gone through so much since Bob McNair died. And you start to look at the people who are still left. There's not a lot of them, Mike. This is an organization that's really been shaken up and, and uh, going the wrong way, as, as we've said multiple times now. It, it is a dysfunctional organization. As MDS suggested earlier today on Twitter, it's eventually going to be Jack Easterby performing comedy routines for an audience of one in Cal McNair. And uh, uh, look, people continue to ask me, what's your issue with Jack Easterby? I don't know the guy. All I know is he's not qualified to have the job that he holds. And Texans fans should be upset about that. Football fans should be upset about that. There are so many more qualified people than there are jobs at high levels of NFL organizations, whether it's head coach, GM, executive VP of football operations. There are far more qualified candidates than there are spots. The idea that someone who is grossly unqualified would get one of those jobs is offensive to me. It should be offensive to any football fan. It should be offensive to anyone who cares about the NFL collectively because it reflects poorly on a team. And if it reflects poorly on a team, it reflects poorly on the league. And look at where the Texans have gone over the past several months. And the common link is Jack Easterby, the guy who parlayed being an unpaid team chaplain for the Kansas City Chiefs nearly a decade ago 
into this uncanny climb, fueled by embellishment of his resume, fueled by a Game of Thrones type of intrigue behind the scenes where he knows who to, who to cozy up to and how to potentially work the angles and build leverage and force people out, apparently, based upon the results. I mean, look, he's he, of all of the departures in Houston over the past six months, he's either a bystander or he's actively involved. No, I choose I'm, to believe that he's yeah. actively involved. No question, Mike. I think he's very actively evolving. Frankly, it's not going to surprise me if they name him the next president of the organization. Nothing's going to surprise me with that organization and, and where they're headed. Nick Casario and David Culley might be great hires. I don't know that they stand a chance to succeed in Houston with Jack Easterby calling the shots. And it's seemingly that Cal McNair has picked Jack Easterby over Deshaun Watson. That's the way it looks from the outside. From the inside, I don't know. But they're going to have to convince Deshaun Watson to come back if that's what they want. And that may be moving on from Jack Easterby, which he seems like he's won. Mike, you would think that the Texans would have already gotten rid of him based on comments from players and Deshaun Watson. And it hasn't happened. He survived this and he looks like he's the guy in charge. Two points. First, if he does become the next president of the team, he's even more insulated from scrutiny. When you have football operations in your title, you're a little too close to the flame if things go to hell. And I didn't mean that as any type of a commentary on, you know, but never mind. If you're the team president, you you are. Look, Jamie Roots has been there for 20 years. And for most of the 20 years, let's face it, they've stunk. They've been better in recent years. But when they were horrible from 2002 through 2011, the first year they made it to the postseason, it wasn't like anyone was saying, well, the team president's got to go. That's a great job to have. That's even better than executive VP of football operations from a lack of accountability standpoint. Then when things go well, you can, you can position yourself for some praise and some glory and some adulation. And when things go poorly, it's not on me. It's on the people in football operations, and I'm not in football operations. So that would be a smart move for Easterby. Secondly, secondly, I'm still not ready to conclude that the Texans will do what is best for them when it comes to Deshaun Watson. And I could see them being stubborn enough, like Mike Brown was 10 years ago with Carson Palmer, to say, you don't want to play for us? Fine. Sit. And you can sit. And you can pay us back $5.4 million per year in signing bonus money. And you can pay us hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. Because, Shireen... We can't have the inmates running the prison. It's February 10th, Mike, and I'll go on record as saying right now that that's what's going to transpire. I I would bet I would push all my money into the middle of the table. Having talked to people inside the organization, they are convinced they can talk Deshaun Watson into coming back, even though they haven't talked to Deshaun Watson yet. And I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think they're going to wait too long for, for to, to try to trade him to realize that he's really not coming back. They better plan on having another quarterback option out there. They're convincing talk him into coming back. If it doesn't happen, and I don't think it's going to happen, I think the bridge has been burned down. They better have another quarterback option for this season. And Shereen, here's what Deshaun Watson needs to do, and this dovetails with the item I posted just before the show began, because I think as time passes, we will look back on Russell Wilson's interview with Dan Patrick from yesterday as the moment when the evolution of the NFL toward the NBA became a revolution, and quarterbacks are shedding this company man facade and speaking and thinking and acting in their own interests, consequences, criticism, scrutiny be damned. Deshaun Watson 
needs to sit down with someone and speak his mind and say what he wants. Because even though we all know what he wants, he's not going to get what he wants if he doesn't start putting more pressure on the team. The kind of pressure that Russell Wilson is already putting on the Seattle Seahawks. He did it on the final day of the season, Mike. He said what he wanted, and the Texans didn't adhere to that. But now he needs to speak out again because obviously things have changed because he didn't get what he wanted. And having a voice in the GM and the head coach, that didn't happen. So now he needs to speak out again, not speak through his agent, not have his agent speak to other people about what he wants. He needs to talk and say exactly what he wants and sits down with the Texans and tell them what he wants himself, not coming from the agent. Yep. Agreed completely. One last note before we take a break. Taylor Heineke signs a two-year contract with the Washington football team, $8.75 million reportedly, which for backup quarterbacks isn't huge money. I think the package itself, the amount, tells me he's not in line to be the starter. And if they thought he had a chance to be the starter, there'd be upside in there. There'd be incentives in there that would push the number to a much higher threshold. I think he's going to be the backup. I think the way we saw him play in the playoff game is not sustainable as a starter. He did a good job earning that two-year contract, and he'll be on the depth chart, but I don't think he's going to be the starter. Shereen, do you? I don't, but I do think he's going. they're going to let him compete for the job. Now, I expect Kyle Allen probably to be the starter. Maybe, maybe not Alex Smith comes back. I think I'm going to be probably surprised if Alex Smith comes back. I think they get maybe like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, somebody along those lines that could come in and handle this quarterback position for maybe a year, uh, whether it's Kyle Allen or that veteran guy. But I do think they get a veteran guy in there. And then I think they start looking toward the future after this year. Just Ron Rivera didn't seem very intent on it having to happen this year with getting the franchise quarterback. He said they're patient. So I think they'll be patient this year, go with what they have, and then look for a future franchise quarterback after this season. Coming up in about 25 minutes, new Hall of Famer Drew Pearson. Before that, we're going to talk about off-season storylines that we are most looking forward to. We'll do that next on this Wednesday edition of PFTPM on Peacock. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
The offseason is officially here now that the season is over. The good news for most teams. And there went Shireen. There's Shireen. She's back again. We tried to roll the dice <laughs> on her usual camera and migrated away from the Zoom feed. And it lasted for all of two seconds. I had the over. I lost. All right. Uh, we're going to look at some of the offseason storylines now. Everybody's zero and zero again. We've already talked about Deshaun Watson, so let's take him off the table. That's an offseason storyline that's already hovered over the offseason for the teams that didn't make it to the playoffs. This year it was 18 for the first time ever. So he's off the board. The first storyline that I'm interested in, Shireen, and that I will be paying close attention to, and it has ramped up dramatically over the past couple of days, is Russell Wilson's future with the Seahawks. I don't believe they will trade him this year, but I do believe this is the year that they have got to prove to him that they're going to let him be involved with personnel, that they're going to let the offense run through him. He's no longer an accessory or a, a, a passive participant. He's the offense, just like it is in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. And if those changes are made, then it can be salvaged. If not, then I think come next year, we will be in a position where Russell Wilson is looking elsewhere and quite likely being trading else, traded elsewhere. I'll say this, though. Here's the caveat. June 2nd. Because trading Russell Wilson before June 2nd results in a $30 million cap, $39 million cap charge for the Seahawks. After that, it'd be 13 this year, 26 next year. And when you consider there's most likely not going to be an offseason program, what does it matter? You don't need to have the deal done March 17. The deal can wait until June 2, especially since there's no way to do the deal before June 2 from the Seahawks' perspective. So I won't be surprised if it happens after the dust settles on the offseason, after we see free agency, after we see the draft. That could be when Russell Wilson goes in and says, I gave you a chance, you didn't do it. I want out on June 2nd. So I've got that little, that little slice, that little sliver, that little crevice in the door where I think there's still a chance that Russell Wilson could be gone by the time we get to June 2nd. I think he's there this year, Mike, and I agree with you. He's going to give them a chance to see what they can do. But this thing is spiraling out of control quickly. When you go back and you look at what Brandon Marshall said yesterday, that he thinks that Russell Wilson is trying to find a classy way to get out of town. I think this is headed toward a divorce at some point. I think it's probably a year away. The only thing I think that keeps Russell Wilson in Seattle long term is another Super Bowl, just getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, we know he wanted his second year, 2013, 2014. They should have won it. And since then, three and five in the post. A lot of it is not Russell Wilson's fault. And the other side of it, too, is he's going to continue to want to get market value contracts. He's had two of them. His current deal lasts for three more years. And I think by next year, his agent will be basically issuing the ultimatum. We want the market value contract or we want this to end now. And I also think there's a chance that the Seahawks aren't real happy about what's gone on over the past few days. And they may decide this is just untenable. This is no longer something that's going to work. We're not going to give him say over personnel. We're not going to turn the team upside down. We don't want to do this. That could accelerate his departure from Seattle. All right, we have Shireen back. I believe I'm going to tee up Shireen for her first storyline for the 2021 offseason. Well, Mike, we saw the picture and you wrote about it of Jerry Jones going into the Prosper convenience store to buy a bottle of wine. 
initially I thought, hey, is he going to celebrate maybe with Dak Prescott, who lives in Prosper? But it turns out that it was a champagne. It was just in a bottle of wine. So we're assuming that that didn't happen. But it's the Dak drama. And what are the Cowboys going to do? I mean, they've had almost two years, Mike, to get this guy signed to a long-term deal. They still haven't done it. And if you get to the draft, and you've applied the franchise tag to him, which is over $37 million, I think you have to consider using your first-round draft pick, that's 10th overall, to draft a quarterback. I just think you have to think about it because you don't know if you're going to have this guy long-term. And I think this is going to be a storyline that's going to play out over the next few months. It's not going to get settled anytime soon. $37 million plus for this year plus the reality that next year it will be a 44% bump over the $37 million if they want to tag him a third time. That's over $53 million for 2022 if they choose to do that. And Dak Prescott has always pushed his leverage. He's always played this business angle. This is part of the revolution at the quarterback position. Kirk Cousins started it. Dak Prescott's continuing it through action. Russell Wilson getting involved through words. Tom Brady, one of the big movers of the needle, going from New England to a place where they basically gave him the keys to the car it's or the boat, as the case may be. It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> and and one, one quick thing on, on Jerry Jones and his wine purchase. I often wonder how different life would be if you had multiple billions of dollars and at last check he's worth $8.5 billion. It's kind of depressing to know you still go into a gas station to buy your <laughs> wine. And it's kind of alarming, Shireen. Now, maybe the security guy was the one who took the camera. It's alarming to see someone with that kind of money without someone nearby to make sure that something doesn't happen to the guy with that kind of money who would be a target for all sorts of potential misconduct. I am betting Roosevelt wasn't far behind his long-term bodyguard. <laughs> He's usually around there, and you can usually find him. So I'm betting it was somewhere around there, Mike. Wait, why doesn't Roosevelt go in to buy the wine? Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. Why isn't Roosevelt buying the wine? You know, maybe maybe Jerry just had to pee. I don't know. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to understand <laughs> why the guy was in a 7-Eleven carrying two bottles of wine that go for though at least the one in his right hand goes for about 20 bucks and it was a 7-eleven i can't imagine that the other bottle was anything that you know was a hundred dollars or more but hey life is a billionaire apparently not all that much different than than the life the rest of us lead all right i'm looking forward to seeing what the packers do and this is a broad observation because they're going to have options in free agency. What are they going to do to upgrade the team with guys who may want to come play with Aaron Rodgers? What are they going to do with the guys they currently have? Will Aaron Jones be back? What are they going to do with their draft picks? What are they going to do about receivers? What are they going to do with Jordan Love? Could they trade him after one year? Could he become a guy who gets caught up in this quarterback carousel? You can't rule out anything at this point. But with the things that Aaron Rodgers said immediately after the NFC Championship game, with the way the Packers traditionally operate, which is you are just an employee, we'll take care of finding the players, we'll take care of running the team. Fascinating to see if the Packers make a change in an effort to go all in one time, get that second Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers, or whether they will continue their attitude of, we're going to run the team as we see fit, and if you don't like it, too bad, you're under contract, Shereen. 
I think the one thing you can count on is the Packers not to use their first round draft pick on a quarterback this year. Can you imagine <laughs> how, what, what would happen in Green Bay if they did that? I think it would explode probably, but they've got a lot of questions, Mike. And, you know, they've been on the cusp for the last two years and can't get over that hump. They've got to do something to help Aaron Rodgers, who, frankly, the window is, is closing a little bit on his chance to win a second championship. And we all thought Brett Favre would get more than one. He didn't. And here Aaron Rodgers sits with one more MVP awards than he has Super Bowl championships. So he's ready to win another one. Uh, and the Packers need to help him do that. A lot of quarterbacks out there trying desperately to get to two. Most prominently, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. A complicating factor, Mike Patton, the Packers defensive coordinator, threw that game from 16 days ago, 17 days now, will join the Bears as a senior defensive assistant. He knows a thing or two about what Aaron Rodgers can and can't do. That makes those two games even more interesting than they would be. All right, next up, Shereen, what are you looking forward to this offseason? Well, Mike, let's go back to week nine, right? The Saints demolished the Buccaneers 38-3, to and we were talking about the Saints as Super Bowl favorites. Oh, my gosh, how have things changed since then? The Saints, as division champions, now are in a rebuild, and they're chasing the Bucs, frankly. They won the division, yet we feel like they're chasing the Bucs, who got the Super Bowl title. And, and they're in the worst cap situation of any team in football. Right now, if it's $180 million, they're almost $75 million over the cap. We know they can manipulate that, but they have 60 players under contract. They're going to have to move on with some of those guys. What does Drew Brees do? Did the Saints re-sign Jameis Winston? Did Sean Payton see enough of Taysom Hill in, in the four games that he started to have faith that he is their quarterback of the future? A lot of questions for this team, and it's starting, obviously, with, with Drew Brees and what he's going to do, which I think we all expect him to retire. So then the question becomes, who replaces him at quarterback? One of the most overlooked nuggets of Super Bowl week, and there's so much that happens that it's hard to keep up with all of it. When Drew Brees voluntarily and unilaterally reduces yeah. his salary from $25 million down to the minimum with no quid pro quo, no, no exchange, no conversion to a signing bonus, right? That was clearly and simply an effort to allow his retirement to be processed after June 1, reducing the salary cap hit this year and reducing dramatically the cap number they have to carry until June 1 by dropping his salary by $24 million, and it makes it much easier for the Saints to go out and put a team around whoever the quarterback will be, whether it's Taysom Hill, whether it's Jameis Winston, whether it's someone else. Last one for me, the broader impact of a potentially reduced salary cap on the NFL's team, specifically the teams that are in cap trouble. And before you can sit down with the NFLPA and negotiate what the cap will be. And that negotiation happens every single year. It's the product of back and forth between the league and the union as to what the proper numbers should be team by team spending limit. This year, before you get to the point where you negotiate with the union, the teams have to get on the same page. Some teams want it higher. Some teams want it lower. And that's one of the reasons why it's going to take some time to get to the point where they're even are ready to go to the table with the NFLPA. And an item that I noticed earlier today from Jabari Young of CNBC. He reports that the league wants to have deals in place, not necessarily buttoned up and signed, but deals in place with the networks for the next wave of TV contracts. That tells me if they get the kind of money they're looking for, then it becomes easier to move money around and maybe pump up the salary cap for this year 
and basically borrow from revenue in future years to make it high enough so there isn't this chaos when it comes to free agency. And you've got veteran players who get squeezed out. They don't make much much money. Teams end up falling apart potentially or relying upon really young players. It's going to be fascinating to see how all those pieces fit together over the course of the next six weeks, Shireen. Yeah, and Mike, we talk about the 17th week of the season too. They've kind of sort of committed to that, but are we going to see that 17th week this season? Are we going to see fans in the stands? Are we going to see full stadiums? All those things are going to play into how this cap ends up looking. And I think, and I think we're going to see 17 games. I think they yeah. want the union to say, hey, you know what? We used to complain about 17 games. We, we think we would like one now because it helps us make back the money. All right, what's your last one, Shereen? My last one is the 49ers. Are they going to look to upgrade on Jimmy Garoppolo? We know last year they looked at Tom Brady and the way things turned out, they have to have some regrets, Mike, that they didn't go that direction. The question for Jimmy G is, can he stay healthy? I mean, we just haven't seen it over the last three years. 2018, he played three games. He played all 16 in 2019 when they go to the Super Bowl. And then last year, he comes back and he plays six games. He also was hurt in New England. So I think you have to take that into account. So what do they do at quarterback? At minimum, Mike, I see them going out and getting a veteran quarterback to come in and back him up. Yeah, look, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be gone. I think they're looking at all options. The cap hit is minimal, $2.4 million for moving on from him. I could see him land with the New England Patriots. And, you know, I've mentioned a couple of times that the 49ers did look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady wanted to play for the 49ers. They evaluated the situation and they said no. And the knee-jerk reaction from a lot of fans is, well, that doesn't mean the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl. No, it doesn't. But it also means the Buccaneers wouldn't have won it. If anything, it means the Chiefs would have completed the repeat by beating whoever it was that would have risen to the top of the nfc all right let's take a quick break when we return mailbag questions and uh enjoy this as we take some time and uh, you ponder what you're going to buy at the gas station tonight buy a couple bottles of wine say hello to a chiefs fan take your bodyguard with you though we'll be back with more right after this Nothing to see her, just a little avocado tequila misspellings, capital letters, a little fun by Tom Brady, who either had too much sun or too much booze or too much both out on the water. And when you win seven Super Bowls, you're entitled. Trust me, I've behaved like that for far less than one Super Bowl, Shireen. So good for good for Tom Brady. Not 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 condoning binge drinking and always make sure you have a way to get home safely. It's okay to cut loose every once in a while. Just, you know, make sure that those moments don't happen every single day. Tom Brady earned that for sure, Mike, as did the Buccaneers. All right, time to answer some questions. Will Greenaway 3 wants to know, what are the Patriots, speaking of Brady, going to do at the quarterback position? And this came up yesterday with Tom Kern. Tom kind of downplayed it. I think the pressure is on the Patriots to upgrade, especially with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers due to come to New England for a game this year, which undoubtedly will be in prime time. Yeah, and Mike, you see all the players they have coming back. This could be a good football team if they can settle the quarterback position. If they get Jimmy Garoppolo, as you speculated, that would be great for them. I think they can win with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if they can win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, 
But I do think they can contend for the division with the Bills and get to the playoffs and maybe have some playoff success. Who knows with Bill Belichick? I know I wouldn't want to play Bill Belichick in the playoffs, that's for sure. Um, yeah, and uh, look, the, the the Patriots are not going to be out of the mix for very long here. They're going to find somebody, and I think there's a good chance, as we mentioned in the last segment, Jimmy Garoppolo could end back, end up back in New England. All right, next question from Ability. In light of how the Jared Goff and Carson Wentz extensions have unraveled, how would you handle Baker Mayfield this offseason? Fifth-year option or full-out extension? Personally, I'm a firm believer, unless you've got Josh Allen, who I think should be, undoubtedly locked into a long-term extension or a Patrick Mahomes who already is. I think with Baker Mayfield, you wait. I think you definitely wait. You know, with Sam Darnold, he's got to prove it. And and you, you're you not interested at all. With Mayfield, yeah, you're interested, but you're not ready to do it this year, Shireen. I, I think the, the Cleveland Browns definitely should wait before tying up uh, a lot of money into Baker Mayfield over the short term and putting themselves potentially in a position a year or two from now where they regret it. Yeah, Jared Goff and, and Carson Wentz should have taught teams something, Mike. You just don't do it unless you're absolutely convinced. You look at what the Bucks did with Jameis Winston. You look at what um, – who else was it? The Tennessee did with Marcus Mariota, and they let them play that out and leave. The Bucks certainly upgraded. The Titans think they upgraded with Ryan Tannehill. They at least got the championship game last year with Tannehill. They found him. Uh, for a cheap price from the Dolphins. So it worked out for those teams. It didn't work out so well for the Eagles. It didn't work out so well for the Rams. I'm not convinced Baker Mayfield is the franchise guy. You've got to let him play out another year and see what he does before you commit to him. Yep. And and uh, the, the, the ultimate warning comes from those contracts done two years ago by the Eagles and the Rams for Wentz and Goff, respectively. Jay Luke wants to know, will the Buccaneers be able to go back to back? Hasn't happened since 2003-2004. Used to happen more frequently. Uh, the salary cap era, I think, is one of the big reasons why it's ended. The Cowboys had back-to-back in the early 90s, right when free agency and the salary cap were starting to kick in. I think as more and more time goes by, what the Patriots did, 03-04, is going to be more and more impressive because I think it's going to be hard to do. But frankly, if any team is built to do it, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, barring injury, and injury is always the wild card in this. I, I Look, and, and it's it's easy to say because we're still in the afterglow of what happened on Sunday, but I think they've got as good as chance as anyone has had in the past 20 years to pull off the repeat, Shereen. And you know what helps them, Mike? It, to me, it helps them being in the NFC. You're away from Patrick Mahomes. You're away from Josh Allen. You don't have to play those guys. Now I know you got Aaron Rodgers. I get that. And I get that, you know, the Rams have made some changes and you have Russell Wilson. But I still would rather, I think, play those teams than have to go through Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I, I just think it's an easier route to get to the Super Bowl. And you know, the Bucs have done it. They, they've won one. They're confident now. I mean, they're talking like it today. We'll see what happens when, when they come back. But, you know, the Chiefs figured out this year. Remember after last year, they talked about, I know Chris Jones specifically said, we're going to get five rings, six rings, seven rings, whatever it went up to, however high it went. But it's hard to win one. It's harder to win two. And they learned that. And I think the Bucs are going to learn that too. Tom Brady obviously already knows that. 
And one of the big factors is going to be what these other teams in the NFC do to get back to our earlier points as it relates to going all in, trying to construct super teams with free agents to help Aaron Rodgers, to help Russell Wilson. What will these teams below the Buccaneers do to close the gap in the offseason? That's going to be a huge factor in whether or not the Bucs can get back. One more, and I resisted this, but we have time to fill. Matt Casey 9 I'm not familiar with that Twitter handle, asks, how many times will you seesaw on you love Kirk Cousins and want him to stay versus you love Kirk Cousins not and want him out? That goes back to something Sims has accused me of with Kirk Cousins. You love him, you love him not. Look, we had Cousins on last week. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great quarterback. The question is, are the Vikings good enough? And is the Vikings' attitude, we want to put together a championship team, or is it we're content to just be good enough? And frankly, I don't think they can move on from Cousins because what's their alternative? And Mike Zimmer needs to have a decent year or he's going to be fired. I think they're going to keep Cousins. And they're going to try to be just good enough. And just good enough means maybe get to the divisional round, maybe get lucky in the divisional round and get to the conference championship. But I just don't see the Vikings as putting together the kind of team in one offseason that can seriously contend. But I also see them keeping Kirk Cousins because if they go with anyone else, they're going to be taking a major step back. Yeah, and that's the thing. Mike Zimmer is going into this season under intense pressure. He's on the hottest of hot seats. When you start looking at at the bets of the first coach to go, he's at the top of that list, Mike. And I just think he has a lot of pressure to at least get to the playoffs and possibly win a wild card game to keep his job. And it's going to be hard to do, even if he has Kirk Cousins, but it's going to be a little bit easier to do if he has Kirk Cousins on his side. But uh, this team just looks like it's headed maybe to a rebuild after this season with a new coach and a new quarterback if they can't get it done. And look, I said a year ago when Cousins was entering a contract year, Zimmer was entering a contract year, Dalvin Cook in a contract year, Rick Spielman in a contract year. My advice to the Wilfs was publicly, not privately, but publicly, I said, don't sign any of them. Make them earn it. And if they do, good problem to have. If they don't, it's easier to move away and start over again. That's the problem. If they were inclined to rebuild this year, it wasn't going to happen. Next year, it's going to be easier. But here's the other problem. If Kirk Cousins is on the team as of March 19, his $35 million salary for 2022 becomes fully guaranteed. And he told us last week he's not interested in an extension. He's got the Vikings the same spot, even better than what he had Washington in a couple of years ago. He's got two more years. He's going to make $56 million, And there's a damn thing the Vikings can do to keep him off the open market after 2022. So they're in a tough spot. And I still don't rule out the possibility of a trade. The problem is... Who is the replacement? They love Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota, but they may not love him as much as they thought once they see him play in comparison to Kirk Cousins. So uh, plenty of issues for the Vikings to sift through. And again, all teams are 0-0. Zero and zero. So they all have, in theory, an equal chance to get it done. But uh, there, there's a group of teams that really are seriously in the mix. And then there's everybody else. For now, frankly, the Vikings are in the everybody else category let's take a break a guy who has moved from everybody else to hall of famer drew pearson finally in we'll talk to him when pftpm continues right after this want to make mom's day get to your nordstrom rack now and score amazing deals for mother's day which is sunday may 12th Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack, fragrance, jewelry, 
luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We're still efforting new Hall of Famer Drew Pearson, who, as you can imagine, is in significant demand this week as he does a well-deserved media victory lap following his election to the Hall of Fame, a case that was presented by Shereen Williams three weeks and a day ago, and it worked. So uh, I have a feeling we're not going to hear from him today, so maybe we can get him tomorrow, maybe we can get him Friday. We'll keep trying to get him on. There's a statement from the NFL in the Britt Reid case, and I think it makes sense to address it here, Shereen. The... Britt Reed incident will be investigated under the personal conduct policy. Now, the chiefs have already placed Britt Reed on administrative leave. And one of the things that you may remember that comes up when players are in trouble, there's only one track, whether it's the league, whether it's the team, because of the collective bargaining agreement. It's very clear that you can't have multiple penalties, one from the league, one from the team. With non-union employees like coaches, they can do whatever they want. The team can take action. The league can take action. They both can take action. And it seems like that is quite possibly what's going to happen. And over the next month or two, we're going to learn a lot more about this. And this is just one of those where when you're in that period of kind of holding your breath, waiting for more evidence, there's enough circumstantial proof that's already bubbled up in the past six days that makes me think that what we ultimately hear may not be good for Britt Reid. Yeah, what a difficult spot Andy Reid is in, Mike. I, I just can't even imagine how much hurt he's gone through. And you do wonder how much it affected him and the preparation for the Super Bowl and the, the decision-making that he had in the Super Bowl, too. I don't know if it affected the rest of the team, but I do think it probably affected Andy. I mean, how could it not affect you? That's your son, and, and you're praying for the kids who are injured and everything else that goes with that, Mike. I, I just can't imagine the position that Andy Reid's in right now. Yeah, and I, I just don't think we appreciate and understand the extent of the disruption and the distraction that that caused. We talked about that earlier in the week, but that had to have been a factor. How could it not be a factor? Yeah. As a parent, you know how you feel about your children, anyone out there that has kids, and what happens to them happens to you, and every burden that they have is a burden that you have. And when you're talking about a situation like this where your child is hospitalized, where your child has had surgery, where your child has potentially been directly responsible for a serious life-changing injury on a five-year-old girl. How does that not throw you into a storm of emotion and turmoil and psychological torment 
and you're three days away from one of the biggest days of your professional career. And you owe it to your team to be there. You owe it to your team to do everything you can that's in your power to help them win. But at your core, you're a human being. And Andy Reid's been through tragedy. One of his other sons died of an overdose several years ago. That doesn't make it any easier. It's like, hey, I've been through this before. I know how to deal with these tragedies. Each one stands alone. Each one is crippling to the parent, and you have to find a way to keep going. And I don't, I'm not blaming him. I'm not faulting him for it. He's human. It had to have affected him in some way in the run-up to Sunday or in the execution of the game on Sunday night, Shereen. And, Mike, you look at what's gone on in Kansas City over the last week. It, it's been a terrible week for Kansas City. I mean, you start with the Britt Reed incident last Thursday night a week ago, and then obviously the loss in the Super Bowl. Marty Schottenheimer dies, and then yesterday we lost Therese Paler, a former Kansas City star writer now with Yahoo, who covered the Chiefs for years. And, and so things have not been pretty in Kansas City over the last week, and it, it's unfortunate everything that's happened, and you do pray for the kids and the incident with Britt Reed and hope they come out of this alive and, and, and okay. Unanswered questions that eventually will be answered, and the biggest one unrelated to the extent of the impairment. And and look, we, yeah. we've been around the block. We've heard these stories. When someone tells the cops they've had two or three drinks, what does that really mean, right? So they'll do the toxicology. We'll, we'll get the information. And then the question will be, if there was excessive consumption, where did it happen? And when you have an accident that occurred, a couple of miles away from the team facility, and Britt Reed resides a half hour away on a nine o'clock Thursday night. I, it's it's you start wondering, frankly, where the consumption occurred, and did the Chiefs know or should they have known that there was an issue like that right under their noses with all the surveillance cameras, with all the stuff they have there, with all the people who are around. You just you just wonder, you wonder what is eventually going to come out and and uh you know ultimately we hope for the best health of everyone involved but uh you know it's it's a serious situation and the league is clearly taking it seriously the chiefs are clearly taking it seriously and uh uh you know the the best news out of all of this for the chiefs if there is any as you move forward you still got Patrick Mahomes under contract for another decade and as long as he's around the chiefs are going to be relevant the chiefs are going to be competitive but you know we talked earlier about Russell Wilson's discontent, Aaron Rodgers' unspoken but likely discontent. How long are we away from Patrick Mahomes looking around saying that the team around me isn't good enough? And and he's deliberately taken less than he could have gotten. I criticized the deal that he did. Not nearly enough money to justify his talents. He left meat on the bone. He signed for too long. He gave the Chiefs cap certainty for a decade, for more than a decade. What are they going to do? Now, Brett Veach has shown he knows how to go out and find talented players, but it's that backup. It's that middle class. It's those guys who come in when your starters are injured. You can't have your entire offensive line collapse, Shireen, just because you're starting left tackle and right tackle are out. Well, and that was one of the complaints from Russell Wilson, right, was I get hit too much. If, if Patrick Mahomes takes the hits and has to run almost 500 yards and gets pressured 29 times in a game again, I guarantee he's going to have some serious questions about what they're doing in the offensive line, Mike. Earlier today, I started thinking about this. How many quarterbacks are truly happy with their situation and that and – the team is happy with that player as their quarterback. I could name Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, 
Maybe Ryan Tannehill, maybe Kyler Murray, the Rams and Lions just made their trade. There's not many where the team is absolutely set at quarterback and happy with its quarterback and knows that's their quarterback in the future, and the quarterback is happy to be playing there. There's not many of them. Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys right now. I would add Lamar Jackson to that list. This is a good exercise. Definitely Lamar Jackson. You mentioned Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Matthew Stafford with the Rams, although that doesn't feel like a long-term thing. Right. The Seahawks, yes, with Russell Wilson, but no with Wilson as to the right. Seahawks. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers, it feels very tenuous right now. Right. Uh, the, the, you know, the Giants and Daniel Jones, you, you don't feel like he's done enough mm-hmm. for them to, to have the he's definitely our guy attitude. But Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, who the hell knows how that's going to play out. There really aren't. You're onto something here. You, there you really aren't Tannehill? many teams. He's got three Ryan years Tannehill? left under contract. He's got three years left under contract. And um, I, I, yes, for now, yes. For now. And it's a year-to-year sport, and the teams are different every year. I'd put Tannehill in that category where there's no question as it relates to the team wanting him. There's no question as it relates to him wanting the team. And when you think about it, you've, you've come up with an idea that is good enough for me to steal. And write about it, PFT, <laughs> unless you want to do it. I'll let you do it if you want to do it. But team by team, where are the yeah. situations that for the coming year you can say 100% all in is the team, 100% all in is the quarterback? It's less than 10. Oh, it's less than 10, no doubt. And I would put Kyler Murray in that right now only because he's played for two years. But if they don't go to the playoffs this year, Mike, I think that's in, that situation is tenuous. And I think – they may have a new head coach after this year. So that one's kind of on the edge right now, and it's going to play a lot into what happens this year. But there just aren't many of them, and we've never seen anything like this. As you've said, quarterbacks have sort of come, become like players in the NBA. They're calling the shots now. Two others that I forgot as I scan back in my brain over the 32 teams, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, Justin Herbert in L.A. Yeah, Those two are, are golden. They're locked in, and they, they passed the test in their rookie year. Tua, as much as I love him, can we no. really say that the Dolphins no. are all in with Tua Tonkavaloa? No. They say it, but they have to say it. We're at the point where we have to say goodbye. Thank you for some of your time. We'll do it again tomorrow. Check us out all night long at profootballtalk.com. See you tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.